Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, today's show was recorded on March 8th. It's International Women's Day. To honor Women's Day, I had the pleasure of having Shirley Evans back on the show. Shirley is a local realtor in Calgary and has been actively flipping properties, what has been considered a male-dominated industry for more than 20 years. She's also a mother, grandmother, wife, and musician. She has a wealth of knowledge and it's always great to talk with Shirley about real estate. Enjoy the show. Hey Shirley, I just want to welcome you back to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. You know, today's uh, International Women's Day and I thought, who better to be on the show today than you? You've been doing uh, house flipping for, what, over 20 years? How long has it been? Two years, yeah. About yeah, 22 so- years now, yeah. 22 years and we all know it's a, a really a male dominated industry so we're going to kind of get into maybe some recent flips that you've been doing we're also going to be asking you questions about what was it like kind of entering into an industry like that and maybe some of the barriers and stuff that you've had to overcome through these years uh, you know doing this and basically taking this on and doing this in a male dominated industry so welcome to the show and my first question for you is what's keeping you busy these days Oh, I never stop keeping busy. Um, I have two projects on the go right now. One, I'm desperately trying to get finished um, to get it staged and get it listed. And hopefully the door gets spinning with all kinds of people coming in. That's always the goal. And then I have a second one that I'm working away on that is still at the see-through stage. So we're working on behind the walls, getting all the trades finished. So I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed with that one because the trades are looking after everything, but um, it's always a challenge, you know, with these these houses that come on. You want to speed things along as fast as you can, and just as you think you're getting close to being finished, things go wrong. People don't show up. You know, the the towel bars don't show up, or this and that and the other thing, and it stalls you. So it, it can get frustrating. Um, fortunately, right now, the way the market is, lots of neighborhoods are clamoring for homes, and so I know another two three days is not going to be the end of this house, there's still going to be the same interest. So it's um, just pushing along and keeping busy with doing, doing those two houses and then sliding real estate in amongst all of that. Well, and, my, my and being a grandmother and a mother and a wife, and I know you are busy. Well, and the grandmother thing has become more and more as my daughter's starting her practicum pretty soon. So I'll be doing some more childcare and so forth. So it does keep me well scheduled. Let's put it that way. <laughs> For sure. Let's talk about the Lakeview uh, flip. So it's really close. I think it's it's under getting staged right now, right? We're just, I think there's just paint touch-ups and the last few little bits and bobs, you know, some doorknobs going on and just a few other things and sweeping and cleaning. So that's my afternoon activity. I like to do my own cleaning because I find things. I think if you kind of leave things like that to other people, you miss certain items. It's just a, it's a control thing for me. I like knowing what the house is like. So when it's finished and it's on the market, I know that everything possible has been done. So like the furnace room floor is getting painted today and just the silly little things that just help to make a house feel finished. Um, And so it's a quality check this afternoon and some cleaning and then waiting for the staging people to come in on Friday to put their furniture around. And then after that, measuring pictures and we're ready to go. 
And how many months, what was the months to turn this one around? I started this particular house in the middle of September, but I assumed a project from a client of mine. So some of the demolition and so forth had been done. But when I took it over in September, I then dug in and got the rest of the demo done, started doing all the outside stuff because I was well aware of the weather going to be changing soon. So it was important to get landscaping done, to get patios done everything outside that I could possibly do. So that was the focus. And then bringing people on board to do the inside. Um, the Lakeview house has been sort of a different house out of my normal realm because it wasn't all my own crew, right? From the get-go, I sort of inherited a few people because of the nature of how this house transaction happened. So that slowed things down a little bit. But by November, I had all my own people working on the house. So it's actually moved along quite nicely since then. Yeah, I've been there. It's pretty extensive flip. I know I know the kitchen location kind of, no, actually even that part was moved as well, wasn't it? Everything was stripped back to the studs. The basement gutted completely. Pretty well all new mechanicals. Uh, there, there was a two-year-old furnace in the property that we were able to salvage, but because so many rooms changed, a lot of the heat runs had to change. And so I, I'm fortunate that I have a, a lovely group of men that I have met over the years that all know one another, they communicate with one another, it makes my job easier. And they're all very willing to listen to me and involve me in a sort of equal basis. That took a while. I've gone through some trades, I've gone through um, several people because they just don't jive with me or they're trying to direct traffic and tell me how I should be doing something. And so I might finish a project with them and go, okay, hasta la vista, I'm moving on to the next, whatever trade it might be. But for the last five or six years, I've had the same core group of contractors. And I've just started with a new framer in January who's magnificent. And just luck of the draw, I started asking around and getting names of people um, through my carpet guy that I use. And he knew somebody and interviewed everybody and, and found this new guy, Doug, who's amazing, who can do everything. Um, and we seem to jive quite well. So he's now not only working on my new project, but I've had to bring him into this Lakeview house to finish up stuff that just didn't get done by the people back in the fall, I'll call it. And yeah, so yeah. we're doing, we're fine tuning a couple of kitchen things and, you know, just little bits and things that he had to do spindles and things like that. So that has been the basis of being able to do what I do is having a really good group of people around me that not only will talk to me, but they're willing to talk to one another and coordinate um, when an HVAC guy needs to have the electrician there and this kind of thing, rather than people randomly showing up, just doing their task at hand and leaving and nobody's the wiser. And, you know, it just makes the job flow a little bit easier. Yeah. Now, I know your flip before this one, it was also in Lakeview and the numbers, I think by the end, weren't as good as you had hoped. And, you know, it was definitely a lot on your plate and probably additional stress. What kind of keeps you moving forward, uh, taking on maybe another one, even though, let's say, I mean, like the last one, yeah, I would say was successful. You learned some things, but maybe financially it wasn't the lift that you were looking for. What kind of keeps you going forward? And then also you took this one on, you know, interest rates are climbing, the markets maybe you know, making people a bit nervous, but you still move yeah. forward and getting this flip done. My fear is sitting still. I don't want to be this older person as we move along, twiddling my thumbs and sitting still. I've never done that all my life. I've always been a worker and I, I love the transformation process. It's a bit artistic. It's, you know, has creativity to it. I like working with the drafts person. I like taking an ugly duckling basically and turning it into a swan. 
And it allows me to experiment a little bit. Each house, I try something different. I either try a new, new appliance or a different finishing technique or different kind of fireplace, whatever it might be, and then evaluate that and go, did the public like it? How did it go? Do I need more trim? Do I need bigger mudrooms? So each house is finished to the best of the shape of the house and what we can fit into it. And some houses you can do a lovely big kitchen and a lovely big whatever. This Lakeview house, I was limited with the L-shaped of the house and what I could do with it. And so try to maximize the space. But I always sort of analyze homes when I'm done and go, okay, that was nice. What could I do better? And I think it's just this, I can keep doing better. Maybe I can keep making a little bit more money. Um, it's inspiring, but I, I really want to just stay busy. And even though I'm busy enough with grandchildren and, and other things, I have a lot of, you know, other, my music and my cooking and sewing and crafts and stuff that I like to do that have gone by the wayside a little bit. My next house that's now in the not quite not ready for framing quite yet, but I'm already thinking about what am I going to do when that house finishes? And it, it, the goal is the neighborhood, finding a good neighborhood, good project, and obviously something that you don't put a pile of your time into and then end up breaking even. I mean, that, that's the worst fear or losing money. That's even worse. The Lakeview house, I just don't know. Like I am fearful that I'm going to break even or make a little bit of money. And so it begs the question, why did I bother doing that? That, that's on this one that you're just finishing? Is it, How are yeah, the numbers looking on this just one? The one I'm just finishing, all the costs have gone up, materials have all gone up, and, you know, and then trades have all put up their prices too. So it gets to the point and, and you never really know your final numbers until you start getting towards the end and realizing that things like shower bars are double in price and you know faucets have gone up and all the finishing things that you think you've budgeted for you've actually then go and buy them and they're more money than what you thought and those are little amounts but then you do the final tally of you know go on your excel spreadsheet and look at everything and go whoa these numbers are creeping up here and on this particular house i'm also paying financing a lot of my projects i'm paying sort of a low fee through my own line of credit. But on this particular house, I'm paying financing to the original owner, which is way more than what I normally would have. So there's a chunk of money going off on that. I think, you know, my latest, my very latest project is in a great neighborhood. I more than likely will make a profit on that one. So my project after that, it will be very dependent on what's out there, what I can find that's in a great neighborhood. And then it's just the excitement, really, of starting with something that's kind of maybe old and tired and putting it back together again, coming up with a plan and seeing how best I can put it in. And that's what keeps me going. I just I love the creativity, the, the transformation the, for sure, and the transformation process um, it gives me a place to go in the daytime and see what's going on. And I'm not there all the time. I check back with people from time to time in this last few months with all my grandmother duties, it's been less frequent than I would normally like. I would rather be there on a daily basis, stick my head in the door. Hi, how's it going? And see you. And because then I find out too, if there's uh, materials that are needed or something that I can run and go get rather than having to rely on the contractor going and getting it. I was reading recently, uh, I think new home construction in Calgary has gone up about 14% in 2022. So that's basically as a whole, if you're going to build a brand new house, it's up about 14% overall. So That's about right. I mean, lumber has come down a little bit, but we all know when prices go up and they never go back to what they were ever. And so things have come down a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are, you know, offering all kinds of bonuses and things to contractors to get them to come back and spend their money at 
you know, like the big box stores, you know, there's appliances have gone up significantly. There's a bit more available. I would say at this point in time now in 2023, I'm not having any problems finding material of any description. It's just how much it's going to cost. Yeah, for sure. And how important is it to have the right street or be in the right neighborhood when you're picking these houses to flip? Like which type of neighborhood would you look for and type of street? Because I live in Southwest Calgary, I try to stay close enough to home because I know I'm driving there on a regular basis. So for me, it's within a a fairly, you know, 15 minute drive radius or less from my house, but not always. If the perfect house came up and it was further away, I would go there. But I, I try to find a good, friendly neighborhood, family oriented, good street that's not backing onto a busy road. I find, you know, try to find something that's in a desirable neighborhood where people are clamoring to get into like Lakeview or Wildwood or um, any inner city community. I mean, now Oak Ridge, Palliser, Haysboro, all in through there have gone up in value tremendously because of the ring road that has made a huge impact. So it's, you know, I wouldn't have looked at woodlands and woodbine before. I will probably venture into that neighborhood if there's something there getting a little further away from me, that's probably as far as I want to go. And I, and I do it just personal reasons. I know I'm driving all the time or taking material there. I just don't want to spend my life in my car getting to my project house. For sure. And then I know you're busy and this law just came in effect recently, but this flipping tax law, like, have you looked into that and how that's going to impact you and your costs, that kind of thing? Do you see it as, um, as a barrier? So I was talking with my client about that. Like there's a bit of confusion. I, we talked about that law because I had another client who was talking to me about that too and said, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to, he's working on a flip that he just got a few days ago. And he thinks he's going to have his son live in the house for a year before he sells it. But my main client doesn't think that law has come into effect yet. And so I said, well, I think so in January, but no, I, like, I haven't had time to look into what that is. I think it just means that you can't claim all your capital gains. You can still flip houses. You just can't get the tax cut. Is that yeah, I, as far I, as I, I know? Yeah, for sure, we'd have to have an accountant kind of explain it. But I believe it used to be that you could do 50% would be considered capital gains. But now I think 100% is now going to be claimed as business income type thing, right? So basically 100% of the profit would be claimed as income, which, you know, yeah, you'd have to talk to an accountant about the implications. But, you know, if you do a capital loss too, I'm sure there's some write-offs that way too, but I'm not, I just don't know how that will play out uh, in industry for, for people. I think that are it may, it may stop sort of boutique flippers and smaller people who are relying on that capital gains thing. I'm sure like everything else, people are going to find ways around it. They're going to find how to write it off or how to, um, have more costs built into the property of what they've had to do, or, you know, they're going to figure out um, ways to do it. I would have to consult with an accountant and figure that out. I haven't really thought about it so far um, with this year, but clearly I'm going to have to with the Lakeview house because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of profit with that house. It may be irrelevant for that particular house. The next house is when I need to kind of worry about it. And that one will be in maybe July when it's ready to go on the market. So I've got a few months to figure that out. For sure. Okay, so now we're going to kind of pivot. I would like to talk to you about how, you know, breaking into this industry, doing this as a woman in a male-dominated industry. So what was your experience 22 years ago starting out in doing home renovation flips? Well, I started, I mean, obviously I left nursing and went into real estate. And one of my first open houses that I sat, a fellow came in and started talking to me about wanting to do flips. And I met with him at his house, which was like a block away, and we got chatting. 
And he said, well, I need a realtor to kind of help me find the houses. So that's how it started out. We started out looking at houses. And then he said, well, would you like to join me? I have. And he was all self-taught. And I know how to do, you know, tiling and framing and, and run wires. And back 22 years ago, there weren't all the city standards and permits. There were, but it wasn't enforced. And so I just started, you know, hanging out with him. And, and so he said, you know, if you want to put some money in, you can hang out, learn what we do. And, and that's what I did for the first couple of years. You know, I'd go off and find him a house. We'd work together on it. He did most of the work or brought in a few trades. I would be there. I can remember learning how to do tiling with him and, you know, hauling garbage and going and getting, you know, electrical supplies and things like that. And it was just a learning curve. And after two or three houses with him, I thought, I don't know, maybe there's a better way of designing and doing. So then the next couple of houses, I got more involved in the designing, more involved in the process, but he was still in control of that. And that went on for a few years. And then this, I had one other client, same thing, wanted me to have money in um, and just help him as a helper and be at the house. But after about four years, I thought this is crazy. I think I can do this myself. So I started doing, you know, doing things myself and consulting with a couple of these guys and then had acquired some of my own trades. Some of them, um, one fellow is back from 22 years ago that I met way back when with the first fellow I started working with. I'm still using him to do drywalling and so forth. Um, And it just became, I didn't like the way they were designing the houses. I thought there was a better way of putting a women's influence into it of, a bigger mudroom, more storage, a better kitchen with a better flow and and putting my real estate knowledge in of of all the people I'm showing houses. What are they asking me for? What do they really want? Do they want windows in the kitchen so they can see into the backyard? Do they want, you know, storage and, and backpack space and something they can shut off by the door when people come in from the garage? And so I started then doing my own houses, incorporating what I had learned from selling real estate and selling houses to people. And then it just blossomed from there. I just kept on going. So for the last, I'm doing this 22 years, I'd say for the last 15 or so, I've been on my own doing my own renos and consulting with obviously drafts people. Um, My daughter's involved and she puts her two bits in on design ideas. And we have a lot of, you know, good times collaborating and figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. And so that's basically you know, how I got beginnings of and how just me being me, I guess, realizing I could do a better job. Yeah, for sure. And the value you would add, like you were saying, that's awesome. Like I could totally see that from being around you and walking through properties with you. All the, you know, the experience you have from doing these flips and rentals. (laughs) Did you face some biases or stereotypes that you kind of had to get through with some of these kind of, you know, rough and tough kind of tradesmen that you had to deal with? There was a house, it's just down the road from where my daughter lives, a little bitty bungalow, still a rental property. Um, And I hired a plumbing company, I think, but the guy that came out was the owner of this company. And we were down in the basement, he was working on things. I had my HVAC guy there at the same time, who I'm still working with today because he's wonderful. But this plumber said to me, well, how can you afford all of this? You must have a sugar daddy paying for all of this. And I just, I got totally annoyed and I fired him on the spot. It was just the (laughs) way it was said. And, you know, assuming that I couldn't possibly have the finances to be able to do what I was doing on my own, that it had to be financed by somebody else, like a man. And I thought, no, that's just not going to sit well with me. There have been a few other people way back in the early days 
where I would come back from two weeks of vacation and nothing had been done. There, you know, we were still sitting in the same place. One of the trades had pulled a hose and broken a, a glass. And I, I said, well, you're going to have to replace that. And I got, you know, told that that was impossible. I couldn't do that. And I was early enough and novice enough that I just accepted that. I look back at that incident now and going, I should have demanded or just subtracted the cost of a window of what his weekly pay would have been because it was, you know, him goofing around. And, and so those people ended up after two weeks vacation and nothing done. They also got to fired or let go or whatever the current term is and left me in the lurch, but I found other people to finish that particular project. So there's been an early days. Um, now, as I get older, and whether it's because I'm older or whether because I just know a bit more knowledge of, of what I'm looking for, I haven't had those kinds of problems lately. But then I'm also working with the same group of people now for the last seven, eight years or longer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Were there moments where you maybe it was just stressful and uh, you kind of consider just quitting and not doing it anymore? What kind of keeps you going and motivated? Um, the year I did three houses all at once, that was stressful. Uh, you know, you wonder where all the financing is going to come. And as you look at the costs and the bills coming in, it's like, okay, where am I going to squeeze another 50000 out of all my credit cards are at their max and so forth? Only did that once. I was at the time working with one of the guys. It was way back when. That was very stressful. I mean, you're always worried that you're going to do all this work and spend this time renovating a house, making it look lovely, that nobody's going to buy it. There is always that fear. What if it sits on the market and nobody buys it and I have to drop the price and drop the price? But um, for the most part, everything has sold. Um, I take great pride in my renovation so that I know when I put it on the market, I've done my own pseudo home inspection of what I'm capable of doing. And I've checked caulking and silicone and, you know, tiles. I make sure all the doors are working, all the appliances are working so that I know that my ability, that things are in pretty good shape. Um, I work with other fellows that they don't come back and check the houses afterwards. And then a home inspection is done. And there's a whole list of things that need to be fixed. And, and that is one of my frustrations. I don't want to be in that situation with my own house that somebody buys it, does a home inspection, and there's 10 things on the list that I either have forgotten about or didn't bother to check. You know, windows should open and appliances should work and there shouldn't be leaks coming out of toilets and, you know, the attic hat should be insulated and all these things we know from years and years in the business. We know um, what should be. And so I think it's up to a flipper to make sure that when they put a house on the market, that they have drain extensions, that they have, you know, attic hatches done, that they've gone around and checked every little thing themselves, or they hired a home inspection person to come and do a pre-inspection so that they are well aware of what they're putting on the market to sell. Because it's my name on the line when I'm the realtor and the homeowner and the renovator. So I need to make sure it's done right. For sure. Now, I know, you know, the, you have the experience you bring, but starting out, if we went back to like earlier on, were there other moments like when you maybe had anxiety or fear, like being the only woman in the room and you're the one that's spearheading the project and, you know, you need to basically get respect from these people and make sure that like basically owe up to what the deal is or like, have, did you ever have those moments where you were had to kind of push through to take I on think, the leadership I mean, role? Because the first five years I had sort of a male partner they did all the talking. When I started out then on my own doing things, I had then found some trades to work with me that listened to me. Um, and so there were times when I think sort of back far enough that there were sort of moments when I would give my ideas of what I wanted to see, either a finishing or a window treatment or something. 
And I would get the gears about, no, you can't do it this way. You have to do it this way. In fact, I remember one house um, way back when that I had all new windows put in and the fellow who put the windows in had cut out too much stucco all around the windows. And he said to me, well, you're going to have to rip all the stucco off the whole house. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, because there's too much of a gap. And so rather than me researching it and looking into it, I just listened to this fellow and hired somebody to come rip off all the stucco off the house at great expense, another $5,000 onto the project. Now I know 22 years later, I'm looking at that and go, that was ridiculous. I could have patched around the windows and put smart trim around the windows and saved myself a whole pile of money, but I didn't have the knowledge base. So I, I think really what I've learned from all of this is you have to be not only well-researched, but you have to have trades around you that are willing to explain to you how things work. And so that's what I did back then when I started on my own and I found my HVAC guy who's been like a godsend, who's willing to explain and tell me how furnaces work, how H, you know, how the the plumbing works and and how a gas line, how you need to have certain things done. And then um, I've had various electricians over the years. They've all been great, but they've all been communicative. And so I've been fortunate in finding people that I've been able to ask questions to and and get specific answers. But I think that's, I did a lot of research in the beginning, went to an awful lot of houses, talked to a few other people that were renovating, um, all men, but just picking their brains. I remember going to a, a social function and the fellow there was a house builder. So we had a, the whole evening was spent, tell me about framing and tell me about, you know, how you do things and the format and, and what steps you take. And that was, you know, probably 12, 13 years ago. And so it's learning from that to get me to the point today, you know, 20 some odd years later, where I know what I'm looking at. I know what steps need to be made, but I don't know everything. I mean, the Lakeview house, because of everything that was going on in the fall, um, a little bit of heart palpitation because it got to December and the drywall was up, the painting was done, everything was done. I'm going, I haven't done the city framing inspection. It's like, oh no, they're going to make me rip everything up. And it's like, oh "Oh, no. It was terrible, but I was able to do that online and process it. And there's a little box there where you can write in something. I thought, so this is using what a woman might do and a man might not. But I, you know, pleaded ignorance and basically said, I'm really sorry. I've made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. I've forgotten to do this. And I lucked out and had a really, really nice home inspector show up who was nice. And he said, you know what? I can see enough. I can look in heat registers. I can see in the furnace room. I'm going to give you uh, the benefit of the doubt here and assume that everything's done right. And so it passed, obviously, the framing inspection. But that was a a nervous moment of being so busy and being caught up with everything else in our lives. And women get caught up in being moms and making meals and doing all these other things, too, of not being 100 percent focused on the house. And that's the first time ever that that's happened to me that I've forgotten permit thing done but it it sort of made me think yeah it's because you're so busy that you're just not paying attention to the order of things but um, thankfully you had the right inspector show up because it is for sure a roll of the dice as to who you get and you know how they're going to interpret the rules and and force you to abide by them right like it's well i know and as far as i know there's one city framing inspector that's a woman but very few i mean there's another industry where it's very heavily male dominated. And yet there are women contracting companies out there and women plumbers and so forth, but there's very few inspectors. The one woman that is a city inspector is by the book and incredibly nitpicky. So I almost don't want to get her. (laughs) 
Um, because I know of people who have, and it it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so and she's taken her job to the other end of the degree, right? So yeah, and I've been, I've done I've only had male inspectors, and I but I've had a, a variation there where I've had them show up in they're like a police officer showing up like at a crime scene or something, and you're thinking you couldn't have pulled permits if I was trying to break the law here. Like so, why why not like be reasonable, right? I think this is one way where women have an easier time of it. Every time I have been at a house with an inspector, even if it's a silent, serious type, I somehow seem to get through it much better than I think the men do. And so whether they know I'm the homeowner because my name's on the piece of paper, and even if I ask them a few questions and get them chatting a little bit about themselves, most of the time I get a smile out of them by the time they walk out the door. And it's like, phew, past that, you know, but it, it, it's a very nerve wracking process. And I think it's just being, you know, comfortable before you go into it. And the guys that I have now doing all my trades are perfectionists. They do a really good, clean job. So I'm quite confident now with the houses I do that electrical and plumbing and HVAC and framing are all going to pass in flying colors because I know who I've got working. Um, some of my clients I'm amazed that permits get passed because certainly when the house sells, when people buy it and they they do their home inspection, there's things that get missed. So there's flaws in the home inspection system too with the city. And for sure there is. That has caused me a little bit of grief. That and money, you know, it's, it's getting things done right. Um, Finding material no longer is a problem, but it's, it's having the financing and kind of looking at your doing two at once for me, because I don't do private financing. I do it all on my own. It's finding, making sure I have enough money in the bank to cover the bills that are coming in. And I have always made the, you know, I've always tried to pay people the minute they send me an invoice, partially just to keep in their good books, because I figure as a woman too, if I pay everybody right off the bat, if something goes wrong, who are they going to come and look after and and help the next time as I phone somebody up and say, hey, furnace is conked out. They might deviate their schedule for the day and come and help me out as opposed to somebody that's waited the 30, 60 days to pay their bill. Um, But for me too, it also keeps my mind um, in a logical fashion. I pay a bill, I know it's done, I can put it in the book and I don't have to think about it. It's another sort of check for myself that I'm not forgetting people. For sure. And then there's kind of a universal labor shortage in Alberta right now. How hard is it to find quality tradespeople to do your flips and renos? Trades, no other trades. So that has always been how I found trades. I start talking to my guys and go, who do you know? And when I was looking for a new framer, because my last framer decided to take a year off and go traveling, I was panicked a little bit thinking, how am I going to find a replacement for this fellow who could do everything? He could climb on the roof. He could put up LVL beams. He could shingle. He could you know, do everything. And it it was nerve wracking. So I got three names from three people. I phoned all three of them, met one guy on site. um, And I thought, okay, here's this lovely soft-spoken guy who is a cabinet maker by trade, but has evolved into all kinds of framing, all kinds of, um, he installed my gas fireplace. He then said, oh, I can install all your faucets and toilets and things and don't need to hire a plumber at great expense, I can do all of that for you. And I went, wow, I can put in some plugs and switches. I can hang light fixtures. And so it's become somebody that I hope will stick around. I mean, that's also, you know, you always wonder at the back of your mind, well, hopefully I have enough business for you to keep going. Um, In between, like after he's framed the current house, he's going off to do somebody's kitchen because there's downtime. You know, I'm waiting for drywalling and all that sort of stuff to do. And then he'll start working on the cabinets 
in my in my house. So he's going to do all the cabinetry too, which is a first to have somebody on site that has not only framed the house, but is also then going to be building all the cabinetry and installing it. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how that works. Good people know good people, for sure. Absolutely the way to go. It's, you know, getting referrals from other people. And um, I have certainly, you know, painters have always been a challenge because everybody knows a painter, but they're not always good. And trying to get estimates and quotes from people. The last big house I did in Lakeview, I had three estimates. They were all, I thought, horrendous picked one and then there were add-ons after the fact. So his quote ended up being the same price as the other two people just didn't mm-hmm. tell me about certain things that he was going to then add on. So then I went back with this the Lakeview house, current one to the fellow I had always used whose painting I don't think is as stellar as some of the professional painters, but it's not bad. Yeah. I've been getting some quotes for a painting recently and it's, I'm shocked at some of the numbers coming back to paint. Like, are, are they quoting at like, $1,500 a day kind of in their pocket. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I mean, the one quote I got in the last house was $28,000. I just about fell over and using all this specialty paint and everything. I thought, fine, if it's my own house, but I'm flipping this house. I don't need the best paint on the market, but it's a, always a big challenge. I mean, the current painter I'm having a few years ago, he didn't spray anything. And I said, I need to find somebody who can spray baseboards and casings. So he went out and actually bought the equipment and sprays with an acrylic paint. So we collaborated about that. And I said, I don't want to lose you, but what can you do to give me the look that I need? And so um, we were talking the other day and I said, well, lacquer spraying actually comes out a bit more glossier than acrylic. So he could have chosen a high gloss paint. So we had that discussion and I think that will evolve with the next house. So it's, it's a lot of communicating with these guys too. I just don't let them go in and do their job. We, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? And what do we, and how do I need to help you? And is, what can I go get that kind of thing? It's all about communicating. For sure. Yeah. And what advice would you give women, other women, let's say they're listening to this podcast and they're, you know, they don't really have the construction background, but they want to get into maybe doing renos, flips, that kind of thing. What advice would you give them? I think starting out, it's always a comfort factor to find somebody else who's been in the business to buddy up with. And so, um, you know, offer to go in to be a helper, to may financially go in to maybe help with design or, or to find somebody who is willing to take you under their wing. I have worked with clients in the past who I've sold houses to who have wanted to flip. And the first house, the one client, I sold her three houses. She decided to leave completely because she was too frustrated with it but had always had this inkling to try it. And so the first one I walked her through and held her hand the whole way. Second and third houses she did on her own. And by the third house, she said, I don't know how you do this, Shirley. I hate every part about it. I hate all these guys being in my space. Um, And she was trying to be a hovering owner and was there all the time. And so, and I said, you've got to step away. Like you can't be around guys. They can't get their work done. Like step back and let them do their own thing. And it just became something that she didn't want to do. But in fact, I met this lady through a mortgage broker who referred her to me because she knew I renovated. And so we connected the dots and I helped her find a house and then helped her through the process. And this is how you get designs. And this is how you find trades. Some of her trades she used, she had her own and some she used my trades and some of my trades she didn't like, she just didn't get along with them. So she, on the second house found her own. So I think that's probably 
a good advice. And then another step two is to start with a smaller project, start with something that just needs kitchens and bathrooms renovated, and then hire a kitchen company, even if it's Home Depot to do the cabinetry, because they'll do the cabinetry, the quartz, they'll coordinate the plumbing, they'll coordinate some of those things for you. So you can still be an owner and look after a renovation, but you've hired sort of a secondary company who can be on board and will do the specifics of what you've asked them to do. And that like Home Depot is really good for doing cabinets and everything because they'll do everything to do with the kitchen. They'll look after electrical and everything. Same with Ikea of all things. If, you know, they'll bring in all their trades. You still coordinate the project, but you've hired them and then they look after something and you get to see what they do and go, okay, I need to put this kind of wiring in here and I need to get, you know, this company to do the quartz and you learn. So yeah. To me, that's that's how you start off. That's great advice for sure. It's, it's a bit of a safety net where you're hiring and then you get to learn in the process as well and be involved. Mm-hmm. If you can name a woman that's basically had the biggest impact on you, either personally or professionally, multiple Ooh. women. Way back when my mother, who was defiant and strong, and my dad didn't know how to screw in a light bulb. So I can remember her saying to me many, many times, you got to learn to do this yourself. You got to learn how to fill your car up with windshield fluid and screw in light bulbs and get out a screwdriver and fix something that's broken. And so that instilled in me that there's nothing that we can't do. And sadly, there are limitations. There are physical things that I just cannot do because I'm not strong enough. I'm not, you know, I can climb on a really tall ladder, but if I get up there and I just can't move that knob or, you know, do something. So that's a frustration. Um, I now own all my own power tools and so forth. So I, it's, um, a determination. And then along the way, I've met a couple of other women who have done renovations. And one lady that I met, and I can't even remember now how we, how we met, but she's busy building houses and things too. So we've collaborated a little bit on some of her trades. I gleaned a, a landscaper from her resources. I think I sold her a house. That's how I met her. She contacted me. So there haven't been too many being determined to kind of do things. And I think having the resilience that there's nothing that I can't do. I just need to try and do it. I I think it's amazing and fascinating how you you basically learn from your mom that you have to figure this out and do it, you know, take care of it yourself kind of thing, that independence, right? Well, and my daughter's the same way too. I mean, she has her toolbox and we have, you know, all of our little gizmos and things. Do we rely on, you know, my husband to do a bunch of things? Yes. But it's not that we don't know the basics of what we need to do. And so, um, you know, I always joke and say, if I want a picture put up on the wall, let's get out the screwdriver and the biggest screw I can find and leave it on the table and say, this is what I'm going to use to put this picture up on the wall. And magically, the right tools and the right size screw goes up and the picture is hung up if I need it done. But, um, (laughs) you know, women have to use a little bit of um, ingenuity to sometimes get things done. And um, I mean, same with all the trades that I have, you know, I, I give them deadlines and say, the staging's coming on such and such a day, I need this house done. And yesterday I could see my one fellow sweating bullets because he knew he wasn't going to be ready for the initial staging to go in on Wednesday. And I said, you look a little stressed. And he said, yeah, he said, I'm going to burn the midnight oil and get all this done tonight. And I said, well, why don't I alleviate your stress and move the staging till Friday? And like, there was just this huge sigh of relief from him. So it's, it's, I think, you know, sensing where people are and realizing it's not going to make a whole lot of difference if I go from Wednesday to Friday. And so it's part of being in this business and, and running flips and everything. You've got to be sensible and sensitive to 
people that are working with you too and not stress them out. But I also communicate a lot with them and find out, you know, where things are at. But I, I'm also at the same time moving the project along. My big philosophy is never have that house sitting for days on end with nobody in it doing anything because it's wasting your money. So that's always been my goal too, is to make sure there's people there, not necessarily on top of one another because they don't like that either, but coordinating and scheduling everybody and um, trying to keep things flowing. For sure. Have you ever considered, I know you got a lot on your plate and you're super busy, uh, but have you ever considered mentoring, like doing like even a thing that focuses for women that want to kind of do a flip and just doing some sort of meetup where they could come and learn and um, I've done it. I mean, I've done it a couple times. So, I mean, I'm certainly not opposed to that idea. Um, you know, even, even a client that I sold a house to just back in the fall, we sat for many a time and worked on a project and a budget and she was the homeowner, but she wanted to coordinate a lot of things. I helped her get, you know, invoices together, get trades together and figure out the project. And we had a budget. She got frustrated because the budget became more and more expensive because she kept adding things to the project. And so the last conversation I had with her, you know, before she had her baby and everything was don't get frustrated with me because this is now the budget's 20,000 over because these are all the things you've added. So there's, I'm okay with mentoring people. You know, if it becomes a point where I'm mentoring somebody, well, in this case, there was going to be a payment there. I ended up not getting paid because she was frustrated with the whole process. So I'm yes and no. And I, I mean, I think there's probably a need for more women getting in and doing flips. I think it's a lot of people that want to do it. They just don't know where to start. Certainly if somebody came to me and said, Hey, you know, I've bought this house. I want to renovate it. I get possession in a couple of months. Can you walk me through the process? Be happy to do that. And, you know, start off with going to the house once they get possession and going, okay, let's just look at the box and let's see how it is. And then bringing in the drafts person to get measurements and drawings, because you need to start with drawings so that you can visually start moving things around. And then you come up with a plan of the process of how are we going to make this house better and what needs to be done. And so once you've done all the planning of getting that house organized, then you sit down and say, okay, who do we need to do the work and who's going to do the demolition? And is there a cheaper way of doing the bins and getting guys in at 20 bucks an hour to do the demolition rather than hiring a $55 an hour framer contractor, you know, and starting so that you're back to what you need to rip out. And then along that course, not sort of necessarily all you do it at the, st- at the planning stage, but who are the people you're going to hire, bring them on board once you've got a possession so they can see the before and after. So they can see perhaps a really old electrical panel and that they need to do a whole new service from the back alley or wherever it is. Um, And having that sort of in the back of your mind, there's steps along the way. And so there could be a lot of, a lot of information to pass along. It would start from them finding a house and then working with that specific house. And they may buy a house that just needs a new kitchen and painting and flooring, and that might be it. And so that's going to be a lot of an easier, you're not ripping out walls, you're not redoing the whole thing. But then as houses progress, I mean, I'm at the stage now where I got every single solitary house because it's just easier to take all the drywall off rather than salvaging drywall and trying to patch it. Yeah, I think for sure, more of a cosmetic flip is a much better place to start from. They're harder to find, you know, they're harder to find. You get into neighborhoods that are, you know, 30, 40 years old and there's old wires, there's might be aluminum wiring, there might be gray line for plumbing, there might be 
other kinds of things that you don't know about that are behind the walls. There could be this house in, um, in Wildwood that I'm working on now had a really interesting and a double drywalling. It had the mesh with plaster over top of it. And then it had drywall on top of that. So, you know, a lot of women think, well, I'll go in and I'll just get the sledgehammer and I'll bash down the walls. And that becomes how strong are you and how much physical exertion do you want to put in? Yes, I, I can take out some cabinets and do some things. I have my power tools, I can do it. But there comes a limitation of where I can't do it. And I can pick up the bits that are on the floor and take them to the dumpster. But it's it's um, grunt labor to do some of this stuff. So it's for starting. Sure. And, and what's the best use of your time as well? Like, you know, doing that for the day or, you know, moving the needle in other areas, that's, that's more beneficial, right? Well, and I think, yeah, for me, it's also, um, I'm constantly with my I'm old school, with my piece of paper and going, okay, what's on this list today? What do I absolutely have to do? And who do I have to go check on? And, you know, where's the cabinet guys? And has this come in? And, and what am I missing? And so I'm constantly revamping my list to check and see. And then so that I'm not in my car running around all the time. Yeah. Um, but I like I like getting dirty, too. I mean, I have no problems with physical labor. I have no problems with hauling stuff. Sometimes it's fun to do a few hours of that. It makes you appreciate just how hard it is to do these houses. And I, I think, you know, at certainly at the end game, the cleaning, a lot of people hire cleaning companies. I think it's really important for the person doing the flip to go back and check the house and know what people are going to be getting into and finding potential mistakes and, and things that need to be fixed. For sure. Can you speak to some, maybe some positive changes or improvements that you've seen since starting out to now for like the gender inequality, some things that you've seen, maybe some shift mindset changes? Hmm. Well, definitely over the last 22 years, I mean, seeing women in construction in this business is quite the norm now. I mean, we see women in big box stores and lumber stores and all kinds of places selling lumber, talking about, you know, supplies and what you need. So I see that everywhere. 22 years ago, I might not have found, you know, women in places like that, that I could relate to and talk to. There have been a few contractors and things that I've bumped into that are women trades that are plumbers, electricians, and so forth. Um, It just gives you a sense of um, comfort that somebody that perhaps you just relate to a little bit more, though, not really. They're plumber's a plumber, but um, it's just, there's more like that in the industry. There's certainly lots of women now renovating and flipping houses as real estate has sort of blossomed in that area. There's um, a lot of women investors for sure. So I think that's, that sort of changed. I think there's more tolerance. I've tolerance, probably the wrong word. There's more acceptance of women applying for permits and doing, you know, variety of things. I mean, the the drafts lady that I use has been in business now for 20 some odd years and she's not from Canada originally. And so I talked to her about that too. And she said, yeah, she said in my country, it was a little hard to be accepted, but she immigrated to Canada. And she said, I've had no problems in the 20 years I've been in Canada and I, she's talented. So people are accepting her talent and creating drawings and designs as opposed to whether she's a man or a woman. So we're going to finish off just a couple of quick answer kind of personal questions. So what's a favorite book or movie that you would recommend? For me, I, I really like murder mystery stuff. So I'm constantly watching the Shetland shows, the Vera shows, my Macy Dobbs books I love. And I've lately started doing audio books because I'm busy and I don't always have time to sit and read a book. 
I have my audiobooks that play in the car. So they turn on. So as I'm driving from place to place, rather than listening to music, I'm listening to another chapter or two. Find myself sitting in parking lots waiting for the chapter to end before I go in and do my errands. But it puts a smile on my face. I love it, you know, and, and um, that's kind of what I've been doing lately is I don't go to the movie theaters. I can't stand people munching on popcorn and on all the voices going on around me drives me nuts. So I, I <laughs> haven't gone to a movie in a movie theater in decades. Yeah, the, and, and do you have any trips planned this year? Are you going to take any downtime for vacation? I, Going to Toronto next week to do, I can't really call it babysitting. It's looking after an 11 and a half year old. So we're going to hang out. We're going to do hangout time and we're doing a painting splash party with she's invited a bunch of her friends and we put on our old clothes and our dirty old boots and we splash paint at canvases and things. She's really developed a talent for art. My sister has a friend who is a really good artist. So we're going to go out to it's basically Burlington and go hang out with her and get an art lesson. So we're going to do that. And, but don't really have any other trips planned. We're kind of toying with going to Alaska on a cruise in August or something like that, but nothing really booked. That would be nice. Alaska cruise would be great. Yeah. We've did it once before, but the in-laws are interested in going and we may sort of look into that and um, have people coming out here in July. So family. So we'll do that. Nice. But, yeah, yeah. And what's, is there an app or software you use either? for your business or personally that you couldn't live without? That is a good question. Not really. App that I couldn't live without. There probably is. Probably more to do like uh, Pillar 9, like kind of real estate type stuff, right? Would real estate your... stuff. And my my I don't understand Excel, but I do know how to use the basic sheet and the tiles and put everything in alphabetical orders and it to do the auto sum so it keeps track of all my numbers. That's sort of invaluable. Basically, all the good old iPhone and the camera and everything that's on it. I can't think of a... For sure. I'm not basically an app person. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. That's all good. That's all good. Um, and then what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, usually my cell phone or my email. ShirleyEvansCalgary at gmail.com. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show today, Shirley. You've provided so much great information. And especially on uh, International Women's Day. I couldn't have thought of for a better guest or asked for a better guest than you. Well, thank you so much. It was nice talking to you again. And uh, it's always interesting to catch up and, and see where we're at. And um, that's what I'm off this afternoon. Go check on my houses again. So never a dull moment. <laughs> for sure. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician, and I hold a master home inspection certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587-893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at Peckford Corey, or my website is coreypeckford.com. Plus, we have a Facebook group. It's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.